Welcome to episode 113 of Paper Talk, a series of podcast interviews featuring artists and professionals who are working in the fields of hand paper making and paper art. I'm Helen Hebert, and I run Helen Hebert Studio, a hand paper making studio in Colorado's Rocky Mountains, where I create artist books and installations. I also host the annual Redcliffe Paper Retreat and Paper Making Masterclasses here in the studio and I run a membership program called The Paper Year and teach online classes about paper, light, and books, too. Find out more at HelenHebertStudio.com. You can also find the show notes for this episode at HelenHebertStudio.com slash podcast. Today, I'm talking with Marika de Hope, who runs Papier Lab in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. She has been making and experimenting with paper for the past 40 years, using traditional papermaking techniques. De Hope works with other artists and makers to create unique, beautiful, and sustainable papers and products. We talk about her innovative work with white asparagus fiber, among other things. Enjoy our conversation. Marika De Hope, welcome to Paper Talk. It's great to talk to you and tell me where you where you are right now. Uh, hello, Helen. Um, well, thank you for inviting me in your show. Now it really feels like a show because I can see you with Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. I'm in my private home, uh, 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 my own room. It's my uh, sleeping and calligraphy study room. Uh-huh. You can see in the sumier, which is my private stuff, uh, which is really for. It's not for meditation, but uh, because I'm a I'm a student and it's not meditative. But uh-huh. maybe later when I'm older, uh-huh. when I need it, I would like to have it as a meditation, just to have the brush and the ink and my own paper, of course, and then just go on it. That's for over ten years. So wow. I have a free day today. And uh, it was a very lazy day. Uh, it's very <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, we're talking. It's 9 a.m. here, and you're in the Netherlands. It's 5 p.m. there. Um, yes. yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you've been working with paper for a long time. So, uh, yeah, tell me about it. Tell me first, um, did you grow up close to where you still live in the same area? No. Uh, for the Netherlands, uh, you would say no, I don't. But maybe for American standards, you say right. no, yes. <laughs> but, uh, I live like 100 kilometers from where I grew up. That's the north of Holland. North Holland, we say, is a province. And now I live in Rotterdam. It's South Holland, um, which is just going down. Uh, you, you can do it on the beach. You can do it <laughs> by sailing boat. And you can do it by car. Oh, cool. And yeah, did but you... it's a different area. It's, I'm living in a port and in a huge, not a huge city, but in a big city. Yeah, yeah, we know Rotterdam. It's a familiar city to Americans, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, and uh, were you artistic, creative uh, as a child? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I started uh, music. Okay. Learning music uh, when I was, I think, seven. It was the normal age. And from the five children we were, I was the only one that kept through all the way. Uh-huh. Uh, so I started the, the woodblock. Recorder. The, recorder. The recorder. recorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the 
flute. This one? The flute. Yeah, that's what we call flute. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty cool. She's flute. showing me. She's holding her fingers up. That's great. <laughs> yeah. This, this yeah. Queer, we, we say the queer flute, because, uh, but I thought, no, I shouldn't use that word now. But um, And then I started studying music therapy. Okay. Because I was, I was completely into music as a conserv- conservatorium. Mm-hmm. Just uh, studying music for music. I found out I, I'd done the year, the, pre- the pre-year. I found out that that's not for me. It's too uh, much alone in a room sitting and um, uh, re- practicing. Practicing. I want to uh, be with people. And then uh-huh. so music therapy, of course, is the other, all the opposite. Uh, you learn a lot of instruments, a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, and you learn a lot about uh, people and therapy. Ah, okay. And that was lovely. That was, yeah. uh, until then I was a musician. I, I started to to play the saxophone too, mm-hmm. uh, but then then origami and papermaking hit me. How how did that happen? Yeah, it was in the student time uh, in the beginning of the eighties, and in the Netherlands we 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 were doing the, a lot of demonstrations. Like now we do demonstrations for climate. Uh, at, at that time it was Cold War, so we did demonstrations against against uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, as they were also in the Netherlands, uh, we didn't like that, and uh, so we demonstrated. And uh-huh. also, Hiroshima was uh, at that time, and Nagasaki uh, uh, was. Um, they they did a lot I- with it from sixth of August until the ninth, which maybe still is in the world. Uh, and then I learned folding the crane for peace. Uh-huh. From from the people who were also joining this uh, peace movement. It was okay, the peace movement. okay. Yeah. yeah. And then this one guy that taught us the crane, he said, uh, uh, well, I-, I can make paper too, if you like. Mm-hmm. You can come around and take your students uh, with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went there for a weekend with uh, from the nine people we were in the group. It was a very nice small group. Six of us went. And we stayed there the weekend and uh, we learned how to make paper, just old paper with the mixer and then make your paper with those little, not little, big lumps of old paper in colors that you can see. Right. Like everybody. Was this in the Netherlands? Yeah, it was yeah. in the Netherlands. It was in the south of Netherlands. Okay. But it was in the Netherlands, yeah. And two weeks later, he sent us our self-made paper and uh, we made envelopes. And A4, and he put a stamp on the envelopes of each of us. Mm-hmm. And on mine, it was stamped uh, handmade Marika papier. Ah. And, and yeah, that was really the beginning because I, if you see it when it's dry, you also, you, uh, most of us know it when you make the paper, it's one thing. But once it's dried and it's done, it, it's another thing. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a few times. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make a comment to listeners who don't make paper because a lot of, a lot of them do, a lot of them don't. Um, this is an issue with making paper that it takes a while for it to dry. So he had this system of you labeled your envelope and then he sent you the dry sheets. Yeah. yeah and what an exciting, it's also really exciting to take your paper out of the dryer if you have your own equipment or receive your paper in the mail and it's like christmas or something opening a present or birthday yeah oh cool so you were you were hooked what happened next in terms of paper uh 
um, um, uh, I went there more often because I wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I just found it's just so nice to do it, to, mm-hmm. to make the pulp, old paper uh, in water in a mixer, and then it's your pulp. And then you only need this mold and decal, which was already there. And then you scoop, you scoop your paper. <laughs> it's not just an ice cream, you scoop your paper. That was really, I had to do it a lot of times. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then later on, because of the peace movement we were in, I thought uh, I really want to do something with my hands uh, if I have an ideal of mm-hmm. living or more sustainable living, which was also the thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, this man too. And then uh, I already fell in love, but then I, I let him know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, we, we made our own little company of uh, recycling things, candles, paper, and some other things, but the paper, paper making and the candle making, we really did the whole year, half year this, half year that, uh, to 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 start this really recycling thing because uh-huh. it didn't start it yet, right? The, the re- so that was interesting to to find out what to do, how to do it, and yeah, sell it. Yeah, how did you? How were you selling it? In that time, also the bio, the organic shops started. Mm-hmm. And we brought it to all the organic shops. Okay. And then it's this payment that once you sell it, they pay you. So okay. we could bring anything anywhere. Mm-hmm. We did it by bike. It was so small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by biking. So we had a, a, a cart behind the bike full of paper. And then also we took the round for bringing our products and getting our recycle products with us. So all people uh, took uh, collected old paper for us, old colored uh, paper, we asked them. Yeah. Uh, so candles or uh, the, the leftovers from candles. Right. We and you melted them back out. down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in those shops, there were always those sacks standing for us. When we came with the products, we also could take our uh, raw materials back. Right. For- Yes, we did that. Right. And I was really, you really had a plan. Um, you, this is the time when you were making 1000 sheets a week. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. So you had a system, a we, whole we little that. business system. Yeah. A whole, a whole house. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The attic was the drying floor. <laughs> uh huh. And then the floor, second, first floor, there was this room where we had uh, our pulp and our paper making vat. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the first floor, no, the the ground floor is where we lived. Uh-huh. And we had, uh huh. All our um, the, everything we had, the dry paper and, and the products that we were making in there. Right. We and you, what products paper. were you making from paper? Um. Well, the envelope. And mm-hmm. the post paper, mm-hmm. we call it in Dutch. But also, uh, we did some origami stuff. Mm-hmm. We made, made it and we sold it. And uh, the earrings already uh-huh. from the paper, which was lovely. But also etiquettes. So we had this gum. Gum? No, how do you say? Uh, this thing you uh, not like paste you put on, um, like you have on the back of the stamps. Yeah. yeah. The uh, one you glue, glue. Some kind of glue. glue, yeah. 
the glue you lick. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> in the time, because that was very nice with um, screen printing to put it on the paper for us. Uh, okay. We made pe- so people could make their own etiquettes. Or uh, at that moment, it's still where we had also stamps and papers for uh, our uh, fight for peace. So, uh-huh. uh, whatever. Uh, right. The paper was also for that. Right. A little bit active. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And at some point you decided this was not a viable business. Is that right? Yeah. We we found out very quickly already when we were going to markets to show and sell. They 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 always asked, how do you fold a crane? And they never <laughs> were not really interested in the paper making itself. Ah, nice oh. to look, but that was all. Uh, so we already started doing uh, origami workshops, and and we and we also started to um, and because in the south of the Netherlands there was at that moment no one running origami, mm. so it was like a free space and we, origami was getting known. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I went my first time to Japan in 1988, and then because I also wanted to import myself. The right books mm-hmm. and, and and other paper uh, that we could uh, sell other paper than I had seen until that time uh, because there was a Dutch association in the time also small but in the north we were in the south so we didn't we didn't really meet and it was very different and were you just teaching uh, privately through yourself or were you affiliated with some place? no. No, the affiliation with the society didn't didn't work because they said we should do it exactly the way they thought uh-huh. was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had been to Japan and uh, did, did already my own things, and, and they didn't consider this as a as a, the right thing. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> it was uh, so we did uh, also um, a lot of how do you say this? It's like a home university. It's not a university university, but it's right. uh, the open university it was. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't have it now anymore, I think. But uh, you could go somewhere and there were all those lessons. Ah, those okay. places, we organized our workshops, sometimes just in a, in a cafe. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they have the room in the morning. Right. Morning, there's nothing. Right. Uh, yeah, we traveled with our bike uh, mm-hmm. in the south of the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. With this, and it was very interesting for me to get in many different levels uh, with people and, and origami. It were older people, it were younger people, and um, it, it really struck me how people were doing the origami. Yeah, uh, and and how how interested they were in some things and not in other things, or the way they did it. It was a. I have this creative therapy always at the back of my mind, and I saw literally. The way they were folding, a kind of personality type mm, mm-hmm. in them, which I thought, wow, this is really interesting. Ah. Just, just interesting by that, by teaching and seeing yeah. how the students take it and how they learn, uh, or yeah. also behave, uh, how they are organized or yeah. not, because origami is very organized. Right, I could see that whether they, um, yeah, they get like perfect. Perfect into perfection. If they're slow or fast, they just want to get it done. All of these elements. I remember my son 
did a little bit of origami and he folded something like a crab and he made like a hundred of them, just one after the other. And then he didn't really do much after that. Yeah. 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 Wow. Mm. And I think you met Paul Jackson somewhere. Yes, in the 80s. It was the first time um, the BOS, the British Origami Society, had her his 10-year university. And that was my first time in 1987. My first time to go abroad oh. for origami, for meeting other people okay. with okay. origami. I was flabbergasted because mm-hmm. there were many people in that time. So there I I prepared my travel for going to Japan. I didn't know before that, but I met many Japanese authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I asked them, can I visit you? And they mm-hmm. all said yes. <laughs> so I thought, I should, you know, organize something. Yeah. Right. And, and then, then the next year, yeah. I wanted to to meet, uh, to be uh, the pupil of or Akira Yoshizawa. Uh-huh. He was at the time... Um, I would say a master. Uh, he said the master, but uh, uh, a master. But I, I thought he was very interesting. He's very original. He comes from a very, from his own space, in the beginning of the twentieth century. Right, right. This is Akira, Akira Yoshizawa, and he, yeah. uh, Michael Lafosse has talked about him on this podcast okay. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I went there and I met the met the man and I had a summer camp with him, ah. and he was his guest and that was really one of my big dreams in that time uh, and it was uh, wonderful. He put, he took me to places for paper making because I showed him my paper and he said your paper rough. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and I said I know uh, I want to study Japanese style. So it's so different. Me- yeah. Style uh, stuff and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very, very nice trip and meeting other other authors too. Right. Yeah, most of them are gone now. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, But you you still were making paper, or you came back to it? That time I was still making paper in like 1989. Mm -hmm. I stopped. It was like seven years we did it and then the origami took over and uh, we had also origami theater because as a musician i always played on the street and uh, we made something into like more theater than le- less music uh-huh. uh, and this origami theater still this origami theater that i have is is still there but we did a lot of many different things just to find out Mm-hmm. As the street theater movement in that time, in the 80s, started to open up to other kind of performances. Mm. And the circus or uh, fire spitting, but also more artistical things. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we, uh, we, we, we just jumped in. And uh, I had maybe 20 or 25 years I lived from doing street theater. Uh. As the and that time here in Holland and in Germany and in Belgium, uh, the time was good because we got paid for what we asked for, for what we were worth. Now it's uh, again different, but uh, in that time, uh, that was a good. Uh, and yeah. who who was paying you? Were you funded by something or the? No, no, just the festivals. Just yeah, okay. They ask you for work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there were these people in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the English word. 
<laughs> in Dutch we say uh, uh, somebody who like the middleman, but there's an yeah, like uh, agent, an agent, I guess. Agent, yeah. event agent, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then at that time it was also quite small, specialized or mm -hmm. in street theater, which is different from parties. Right, and you have a couple of images, I think, on your website about this still. I, I saw a, I saw something. Video. Yeah, a little video. Okay, yeah. So we'll uh, you can look at her website to see some of this. Cool. Okay, and then um, so what what developed next with the paper making? Yeah, um, the paper making stopped at that time. Mm -hmm. The origami uh, teaching origami theater went on, but then. I split with my uh, partner then. Okay. Because um, I wanted to go further into the origami and into the theater. Uh, and he he was, uh, still is, uh, although he's old and uh, he cannot do a lot anymore, but uh, uh, craftsman. Mm -hmm. And I was more the theater music, mm -hmm. a little bit different. Right. So I went on doing my origami theater and we split, but then I also moved to Rotterdam. Okay. Uh, because I met my husband now in that period and he was a sound engineer and I met him because I needed a sound engineer for my origami theater as it was developing in many other different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I went to Rotterdam and very quickly I uh, got to know people that were related to Peter Gentenaar. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, in that time, it was the starting of the paper Biennale. He organized for six times. Uh, and I don't know how it uh, really went, but he was going to give some people a Peter beater and it was not he but uh, someone was going to donate ah. the Peter beater right to, well some of his friends I was not a friend of Peter at the time I didn't know him but I was then part of those friends and uh, with the three of us we made a like a little company around the Peter beater for making art of paper art, but I was the pulper because I was interested in pulp, pulp okay. making. Okay, was... so this is an important piece of equipment, the Peter Beater. Yes, um, he may be still making. I don't know. You can still order. You can still so, order a Peter he... Beater, and yeah. this is Peter Gentenar. You say it better than I do. <laughs> and his wife Pat is also a paper yes. artist, and I had them on the podcast a few years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I heard that podcast. I heard things I didn't know, which is so wonderful. Oh, so good. I get to know them even better. Because in that beginning time, uh, I, I took workshops with them. So they were they were starting in, uh, in their techniques, both in this different techniques. And I also uh, could, could uh, when I got my first child, <laughs> I could borrow their... Uh, hmm, the nappies, the, the the nappies from cotton that you that you make yourself around the baby. Yeah, Old the style. cloth diapers. Yeah, cloth. yeah, the cloth diapers. Because uh, I said I want to make my own paper for the birth card, but I want to have the print of this cloth diaper on my paper. Uh -huh. So I I could use their uh, <laughs> cloth diapers, and they said use it a lot. And bring back when you don't want it anymore or don't use them because then we can make paper from it. Right. 
<laughs> which I thought was a very nice paper paper deal with with paper friends to right. be thinking. Yeah, yeah. And then my life and their life. Uh, well, they 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 did their life and um, and uh, we got the Peter Beater, uh, and that was very very interesting because then if you have it, uh, then you can use all types of textiles. Right. Make your own pulp, which you cannot do without a beater, right? A paper beater. So, uh, I all of a sudden was a paper maker instead of someone who's making paper. Uh huh. Yeah. Because I could make my own pulp from nearly anything, mm-hmm. and that's that's very rich. Mm-hmm. I still feel it because this paper, this Peter beater, is still with me, and um, uh, it never let me down. It's a very good machine in that sense. Uh, and I don't know other beaters, so I cannot really compare. But um, that it never let me down and always did the job. Sometimes I needed to learn something, but it's a good teacher too, the Peter Beater. Yeah, and beating pulp is an art. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and there's so many... We'll talk about your research with fibers. I mean, there's so many ways that you can beat it and there's no real manual on how to do it. And I I know that um, Beatrix Mapalagama in Vienna has a Peter beater. So I've seen her beater. I taught a workshop there, but I don't think I worked with it myself. Yeah, but I know it's a great beater. Yeah, yeah. So, so what kind of beater you have? I have a David Reyna beater. Uh-huh. Uh, but be, I started with a beater. Uh, I live in Colorado now, but I was in Oregon and I happened to find a beater that was made in Colorado then. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was some a paper maker who uh, found an engineer and had him make like 20 beaters. And yeah, so yeah, yeah, those yeah. 20 or maybe more, maybe 40, I I see them every so often. So mm. they're still moving around the country. <laughs> yeah. 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 I yeah. think Peter, Peter Gentenaar, he had maybe also a Reina beater. I don't know, because uh, in his art college where he t- taught, I found an old Reina beater. Oh. And I think that he... Uh, maybe that was an old form also. Uh, he made uh, uh, he made solutions for things that didn't work right. too well. Right. And that was then his Peter Beater. And uh-huh. uh, now we have people uh, working in the, our circular city. We call it Blue City. It's where the young people have their circular companies that you use the waste from another to make your product. Yeah. And so this Rhina beater that nobody wanted to have because it's not really working well. They took it and they engineered a uh-huh. new. They made it really better. Uh-huh. And now there's the Peter beater in this uh, circular city, especially for the people with the textiles, with the problems with the textiles. Not not the problems, but the waste streams of the textiles. Uh-huh. They're really, um, trying to do things with it and the and the beater. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Um, Okay, and there I want to mention this book for people who are really into beaters. Um, <clears throat> someone I don't remember who put this book together, but it's called "Beater Builders of North America: 
<clears throat> it should have been of the world, but you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it, it's maybe 20 different people who tried building beaters okay. and had different ideas and solutions. And I mean, yeah. you can always improve on things. Yeah. 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 Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But okay. Of a beater uh, trip with people that we go to different beaters. Mm-hmm. work with them and, 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 and learn from the different type of beaters because many people only know one or two beaters. Right. But that's also how you how do you how you say it, they're very different. And absolutely. Different. Yes. But what we were saying before also, um, it takes a long time to to learn and to get to know and be friends with your beater. And even I feel like I get I'm only using mine for certain things. You know, you get in a, your yeah, yeah. your way and you just do that one thing and there's much more experimentation that could happen. Um, okay, so now um, I think we should fast forward to your Papier Lab and how that got started. In 2012... I still did make paper, did do some paper making in the net in uh, in Rotterdam. Um, my children were 12 years old and 16 years old, so I started to be a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, uh, what do I want to do now? I need to go to the society, to the public. After engineering and uh, trying things, make paper from plants. I got your book in 2004 or five, and then I started to uh, ah. research on plants. In the little garden allotment that we had, and then I thought I, the labs, the like the fab lab or whatever labs, people called it labs, uh, were starting to, to grow, and I thought I make a paper lab. Wait, I don't uh, know what what it, yeah what lab, you're... Labor, laboratory oh lab so, okay yeah. lab lab yeah so yeah. so. That was in that time, 2012, 11. Okay. It was okay. Popping up everywhere. I thought I will have my paper lab. Okay. So I invite the public, and then uh, I won't. I won't have a problem from them. And then we were go. Uh, we are going together, looking for uh, making paper out of whatever they come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Streams already because right. uh, we have so much. And uh, it was a nice idea, but it was only my idea. People didn't understand what I meant. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't know. They thought you make paper from a tree. Right. What do you talk about? Right. So nobody knew. <laughs> Only our paper artists or some artists, but also in the schools, nobody was teaching paper making. So people were not aware that you make paper also from old paper. Mm-hmm. Not only from act ways, but uh, old paper uh, and from textile. They forgot. Mm-hmm. They don't. Right. Uh, and that's our rich culture really in the paper make uh, uh, area that we can make paper from textiles and make paper from plants directly so the paper lab was meant for that it started uh, going from many places different places because there was no no uh, money to rent a real place uh, in Rotterdam at that moment, uh, people were not interested. We were uh, interested in, um, in the black people and in all other people that uh, didn't have a, 
a real good um, future in the Netherlands, that the people that came, the immigrants. Mm -hmm. uh, so all the money went to those kind of uh, uh, projects, which now is paying off because now uh, we're all together. Uh -huh. But in the time, I, I couldn't find funds. I couldn't find people who were interested because Rotterdam had different problems and people were all busy uh, with their this is so interesting because i remember when i interviewed peter gantanar and he told me so this must have changed because he's a little older than you are yeah that he got funding from the government his first 20 years or something to be an artist yeah and uh that really set him on his way and yeah. really helped yeah yeah yeah. Huh. yeah, but I, I've never, I've never asked for funding as an artist. Right, it's a little paper different. Maker and I had a street theater, really a good place, good time, good, right. good money. Right. Uh, then, but then in Rotterdam, and from that time, 2010, I had to, I could start new things, and, mm -hmm. and this, this was it. Um, and I, I didn't know I was going to be a, a paper maker or a paper artist because right. Ami was the thing, and 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 um, teaching creative stuff to children was a thing. Right. But uh, I think it was 2016, 15, 16. Then the waste streams mm -hmm. and uh, sustainability came into our minds, into the public mind, and then I saw people were coming to my workshops, uh -huh. and then. From that time, 2016, I could go to a real place <laughs> uh, and rent a place, uh -huh. and then uh, then the, then the paper lab started to really uh, go on, and, uh -huh. and it's now a real. It's a place in Rotterdam, right? Maybe the Netherlands, but uh, in Rotterdam, mm -hmm. as we are in a port in a huge harbor where there's so many ships coming uh, also with vegetables or fruit that have are deteriorated on the way or that we, we think they are not good enough and then we we do, we'll want to destroy them. Mm -hmm. There are many um, initiatives here that are going to take the rubbish, which is not rubbish, uh, make soap from them or ink or whatever and they always have something left and that's the fibers where you can make paper from right so they me so, and, uh -huh. and that's why i am here and i am still here uh -huh. because people are interested now now there's money in innovative money so they can come with a voucher to me and then they can we can um research ah. if that would not have happened uh, i would not have survived as a as a paper lab or and not as a paper maker because people are not uh, really paying the price for the paper that should be paid. So I'm a teacher and a researcher. Right. So you have um, just tell me a little bit about this this paper lab and yeah. you said it's where it is and what equipment you have. I know you have the Peter yeah. Peter. <laughs> yeah, that's one. <laughs> How big is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> well, it's it's in an old building next to the uh, Maas, which is our river. Okay. Uh, and uh, it was a building where they built the, the motors and all the electrical stuff from the ship. So it had a huge hole 
Mm. Uh, where now all other people uh, are making their own space to work. And where I am in the building is the building which was, which was the washing room. Okay. Which is like, it's 45 square meters. Mm -hmm. It's like a school class. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was water, enough water, right. because in all the other places was no water. Okay. Uh, and it's somewhere in the middle of the building, you could say. It's in the basement. Not in the basement. It's a, uh, in, the, in the ground floor. So I, I, I always need ground floors for my Peter Beater and other yeah. stuff that's a little bit heavy. Uh, and there's this also a little garden um, mm. where uh, I, had, I, I made the door in the in the place so that this little garden is uh i can go there and i dry my stuff and sometimes we make paper in this very little garden uh -huh. stony garden but little garden uh -huh. it's it's a very uh, for city for city for a city place it's a very nearly a romantic place mm -hmm. because this little garden is in the winter very nice because it's not too cold there in the summer it's too hot but uh okay. that's not a problem if we go outside there's the mass we still have the ship coming in and, and going out see it be, be part of the harbor which gives uh, gives a special feeling of the right. place so people really like it to go there also to be in in that in that place i have a peter beater i have a old for me not all we build it ourselves a big uh, six 17 centimeters wide press you can you can the, the, the widest you have is 70 centimeters and we can put pa paper in the as long as you like and press but several seven, times yeah press in different ways yeah. uh, uh -huh. it's the center press which is the press it's it's for the a2 really it's an a2 press okay format but uh, the rest also can go in one way or the other right and um and do you dry your paper outside you were talking about no. how do you dry your paper? No. Yeah. Uh, uh, the last years I dried it between gray board. Mm -hmm. uh, in this big, uh, you know what the gray, what I mean with gray board? Uh, some kind of it, binding, like book binding board or. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. It, it is gray. It's different yeah. layer. Or I, I take the one four millimeters. Okay. I learned this from Pien Rotterdam. Uh, she doesn't live in Rotterdam, but uh, she was connected to an American, uh, I don't know, somewhere paper paper maker uh, group. Um, because if you press it under there, it will be very flat. The, the surface will be flat. You don't have to do anything anymore. You can put it straight away into the printer, which most people do. <laughs> Right. And uh, because I didn't, I don't really have a lot of place. I used this system for a long time, but now um, I, I will have some big drying racks again. Mm, okay. Be because of the place, and also because uh, still I have this sustainable background thing in my head. Also, I want to do it as least pos possible with electricity and stuff. Right. Right. And uh, last last yesterday, our electricity was down, uh, mm. and I'm so happy that I can do so many things without mm -hmm. electricity. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you talk about the future, you shouldn't forget the low tech stuff. Right. 
I'm really yeah. into the low tech way of doing this. That if the Peter beat it doesn't work, we can still <laughs> beat it by hand. Yeah. Yes, yeah. whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, we had this in the Corona time. Was it Corona time that we had this toilet paper issue that there was not enough toilet uh -huh. paper? Yeah. Was it in yes. your place? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then, then we just said, yeah, you you can come here. We can make toilet paper how much you want. <laughs> you have to do it yourself. Uh huh. Oh. So that 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 idea that we, yeah. there is not a problem, but we should keep all the all the possibilities open, like like biodiversity, right? But also biodiversity yes. in our systems of doing things. Oh, so. absolutely. Hey, listeners, let's take a little break here, and I want to make sure that you know about my how-to books about paper making and paper crafts. My latest book is called The Art of Papercraft and it offers a rich variety of projects that will delight crafters, artists, and designers alike, including paper votive lights, pop-up cards, folded paper gift boxes and envelopes, woven paper wall hangings, miniature one-sheet books, and much more. I also have two popular books about papermaking, Papermaking with Garden Plants and Common Weeds, and The Papermaker's Companion. All three books are available on Kindle. Now back to our conversation. I keep, this keeps coming into my mind, so I want to ask you because uh, do you know the history of the Hollander beater? I mean, you're in Holland, and this yeah. is what I say: the Hollander beater was invented in Holland in the 1600s. Yeah, yeah. but I don't really know more yeah. than that. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that were, that there were it was maybe the Frenchman and the Englishman in that time that already invented something. Okay. That was turning. That was better than just only the the hammering uh, the things. Stamping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then it was. Uh, I don't know his name, but he was from uh, the north of Amsterdam. Disaster. Okay. That was our booming business stuff because we had a lot of wind and windmills there. Right. And there they invented the the uh, Peter and no the Hollander. Right, the milling machine. Yeah, and it was first from wood, but they had this uh, iron mm, knives. It's not a knife, a blunt. The blades. Blunt. Yeah, we you say that it. too, but blade means sharp usually. Blunt knives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, blunt knives. We're in it, and then it, so still there's one windmill. Okay. Uh, there, uh, as a paper, as a paper mill. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that yeah. later. Yeah, you have that yeah. as a recommendation, a place but to they, go. They tell about this, and okay. and you can see four of them, huge ah, okay. uh, Hollanders, just around this. Uh, so yeah, they yeah. they can go four in the same time when the wind is there. Right. Right. Okay, so you have several programs now at the paper lab um yeah. so you teach workshops yeah um how about tell me first about your open paper lab on fridays because yeah. i think maybe that is how some of other projects come about because people know they learn yeah. about you and then that leads to other things yeah yeah um in 2016 that really started when i had my real thing mm -hmm. uh, and that was once a month on the Friday, uh, because every week people didn't come. So it was once a mm -hmm. month. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, then people met people who were there. It was only in the afternoon. 
and I found out that people met. They came from all over the Netherlands mm. because there was n- n- no place to find, you know, something where you could go in to see right. paper, or make paper, or know about this. Also, tourists just came. Uh huh. They were googling on paper, and then uh, sometimes they came. So that that were also very, very, very nice. Uh, afternoons mm-hmm. they could come and take their pulp so we tried the pulp uh, we didn't make the pulp at the time but if they had pulp we could try how to make uh-huh. paper and uh, th- then things um, uh, so the things go very different than normally which is very interesting because yeah. the creation comes in and um, uh, I still have my open paper lab but mm-hmm. not once in a month anymore because I don't have that time anymore. Mm-hmm. After Corona, I changed my uh, my goals for yeah. myself to right. do my paper making stuff. Um, but still, we had a study lab for one year because a lot of students in that time came. Mm. And uh, but it's it everything was just for some time because it's going to another thing. Right. Mm. Not many people stay around or hang around. Just right. a few. They go on. It is just a, for a hobby for the most of them, or right. like right. knowledge. But it's too much work for most of the people to really involve and do something at home. Or right, yeah, it's the same here. I see. Yeah, yeah, and or you know somebody comes because they're interested in sustainability and what you're doing on that level. Yeah. then they're like, oh, I can't get all of this equipment or I don't have a place to work with water or yes, all these things. Um, but now you do have, I think this is the first year where you have master apprentices. Yes. yes and how, yes. how is that? That's funded. Yeah, yeah. And how did yeah, you find them? And funded. they found maybe also they found me because okay. I last year, I, how do you say this? Um, applied for being part of the intangible heritage in the Netherlands. Okay. As there is a there were there are two other paper makers. We call ourselves paper makers and uh, not artists mm-hmm. as we go into the paper making into the fibers into that you can do everything yourself that you are not autarkic but uh, that you you also even make your own uh, instruments. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not not Hollanders, not not milling machines, but uh, the two guys who who are there, they could. Okay. They could they could uh, make or repair or whatever. But um, uh, with the three of us, we are now together in this intangible heritage of paper making, and we would like to to create a fundament in Netherlands for Dutch or maybe European paper makers that we should be more. You know, we should find each each other because we are so scattered around, and all of us, all three of us. But it's the story of most people. Yeah. They 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 got into paper making completely by themselves, by the books in the time the right. YouTube. There, uh, I went to the mill very often to, and they tell me things. Uh, Peter Peter Gentenaar, he told me things. I had to take it from everywhere. Right. Uh, well, we have we have enough, but it would be easier and better if we can put it together somewhere. So you have this official designation, which there's yeah. nothing like that for paper making here, <laughs> and okay. um, that I know of. And um, so now, how did those 
so, master so, apprentices because, find you yeah, through that? Yeah, because of this, because of this, because we, we were in the newspaper and everything. Okay. Then they, they send us an email. Yo, we have this pilot for 2023. If you want, you can apply. So okay. I applied for the master apprentice and one of the other guys too. Mm -hmm. uh, so both of us, we are doing this in our own place. He is uh, Ewald Weyers. <laughs> he lives in the east. Okay. So we're not, not close. Right. Uh, so he's doing it his way, of course, and I'm doing it uh, my way. Uh, as there, are, it's very interesting to see. We are maybe hundred kilometers from each other, but uh, the questions here are so different from the questions and the cultural mm -hmm. the culture there. Mm -hmm. That also the paper making and how we do paper making is so different. Right. Interesting to see. And uh, so I have two apprentices. Uh, one of them is a is a author, not an author. It's a poet. It's uh, someone who is doing creative writing. Is teaching a lot in creative writing. Uh, but we together had already since two thousand fourteen our project. We call it from broek tot boek. Uh, broek okay. is trousers. So take your trousers and you make a book out of it. Uh -huh. And it's like five different steps of a craft to get there right her her part was uh writing memories about your trousers or your whatever you took mm -hmm. making out of it or and and also some uh um not pictures but drawings or mm -hmm. other things that you can do with a lino cut that is that was her part and then we bound it like a with a japanese binding okay so th this was a, a project we did at schools, uh, okay. elderly homes even, uh -huh. uh, many, many, many different places, very socially uh, engaged. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's sleeping because we're both um, busy <laughs> with other things. I love the translation. It's sleeping. We would not say that, but it's beautiful to think that part of my business is sleeping now. Maybe it'll wake up. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. Is that people what it means? Can, it might come back. Yeah, yeah. people can kiss us uh, like uh, Dornrosje, uh, uh -huh. like the fairy tale. Uh huh. Did right. you kiss Snow White? You, you kissed. Yes. Kiss yeah. Yeah. You. So you can kiss this project awake. <laughs> okay. Good. Right. So, so if people are interested, or a project, or some place are interested, we would love to do it again. But mm -hmm. again. It's a lot of craft. It's a lot of work. People don't have the people right. who need to do it don't have so much time to naya yeah, and so on. Yeah. So that's yeah. yeah. And then the but second she, one. So she is Carla is her name. She is my first apprentice. So okay. she's already uh, a paper maker also. Mm -hmm. uh, but she doesn't know everything. She right. knows a lot of textiles, but she doesn't know a lot from old paper or from plants. Right. So she's getting into that. And the other one is, uh, she's called Nienke. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's a lady who's absolutely not a paper maker. She's also not a maker. She is a musician, a theater, but she works on sustainability and has this idea that in Rotterdam, she wants to create this toilet paper um, company uh-huh a, a fabric uh, industry small, yeah. small. yeah yeah from the waste stream so like we have our in circular city right uh they have a lot of waste streams and people who are working on it 
So if she, uh, so 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 I told her you have a very, very interesting idea. I don't see it how you could manage, but if you start uh, learning what paper making means and what working with waste streams means, I'm sure that you can you can make your plan better because right. you understand what you talk about. Right. So she went into that. Okay. Uh, and now, we already she started already. Uh huh. Yes. And do you have a, a special, like a uh, a plan for how they work, or is it individualized? Well, yes. Uh, yeah. It's, it, well, the, no. Because the I go through the same thing with people yeah, coming. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. the first. Well, I would love to talk to you afterwards too. <laughs> like later. Later. Like. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, we had two modules. The first module just to do the three waste streams: making pulp, making paper. So that okay. Were, Six lessons and one lesson beginning, uh, one lesson uh, to go with our paper to a paper technician mm -hmm. and uh, how to look at the properties of paper. Mm -hmm. What tests you can do to find out things from your paper or wh what we talk about anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but now we are in the second half and now it should, it should be a little bit more diverted. <laughs> but... Um, we're just finding out because mm -hmm. it takes longer than you think. We yeah. Made a plan, but now the plan was we make the plan after the half year, but <laughs> it's too much. Right. So say every time we should do less. We should oh. do less because there's also a lot of pop or half pop pulp standing yes. in our because right. we didn't get the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, but but they, uh, I can see the the lady Ninka who does who didn't know anything from paper making. Uh, she really got it already. She mm -hmm. understands. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't say she can make everything, um, but yeah, and and that's uh, something very interesting for me. And for this Carla, it's more like we have this uh, Emmentaler uh, cheese with a lot of holes. We say, uh -huh. we say vatenkaas. <laughs> And so she has to fill in the holes. Okay, yeah. A lot of yeah. knowledge, but it's not yet, uh, yeah. I like, you wrote to me when we were corresponding about this, about the Dutch word, how do you say it, gazelle? Yeah. Gazelle. And how, um, yeah, that with these apprentices, you're developing a deep feeling of trust and connection. Yeah. What, what we know in the craft world as colleagues, you feel like family or even beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it really is an intimate everything, like what you're learning about paper and fiber and all these invisible things, yeah. but also the way you're working together and yeah, your lives are intertwined. Uh, yeah. I, 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 uh, feel, philosophed a little bit further on this, did a little more philosophy on it and talk with them about this, what I wrote. Uh -huh. And then I, uh, then I said, yeah, it's really like we we learn by listening, mm -hmm. uh, beater or to anything uh -huh. else. Something's wrong. You know, you have to go right. there. Feeling by smelling. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong here? Oh. Or so this is we are creating a second nature mm -hmm. in, in our system, mm -hmm. and, then, and then you are this family, 
with this second nature, which is so intimate. Mm -hmm. So if you hear something that's related to paper making or whatever, if you are together, you will do maybe this because in, in our paper making place, we would think, oh, what's happening now? Right. Only in this place or the paper makers uh, will hear this. So, yeah. so it, goes, it goes very far. So that's why I, I it's not that's why I started with this gezellig. Uh-huh. Because yeah, sometimes people say the word gezellig and that is that is no translation for it in, in uh not in English but also not in other countries. And now I, I heard about this word gezel, that uh-huh. gezellig uh-huh. comes from gezel, which nobody thinks about. And I right. even did it. It's only right. last year I heard this. Right. And yeah. It really goes goes. It comes from something really very interesting. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I have people come work with me. uh, Like I had an intern last year for a month. I've had different people over the years. I think the longest was maybe three months. And what you were saying about you're only now you're making the plan after, you know, you had the plan. I can totally relate to that because you you have to get to know each other and figure out what skills that person has. You can't have them maybe doing everything right away. And yeah, it's uh, it's really, it's complex. Yeah. And it's so wonderful that, you know, you can't learn paper making. You have to do it with your hands. Yeah. And like you yeah. say, you have to smell and, you know, in this age of, artificial intelligence and computers and oh my gosh it's so you have to make people aware yes right yeah it's really interesting to have older people let's Mm -hmm. say yeah and and the younger right compare you 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 should know but then they don't know and then i think about children i think what what did what's missing yeah interesting yeah yeah very interesting okay I want to talk about your asparagus project. We need to kind of yeah. be moving towards the end of this, but this is a fascinating uh, yeah. fiber that you've discovered yeah. and worked with for many years. So tell me how you first got into a u- using and which yeah. part of the asparagus plant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I first have a question for you okay. because you have asparagus in uh, in America, I think. Yeah. You eat them everywhere. We have green asparagus. I lived in Germany, so I know about white asparagus. I wanted to ask you, which one are you using? Because I, yeah, yeah. Um, it, and and white asparagus is here sometimes. It's more uh, a delicacy or special. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I walk with a friend. I live in a very dry, pretty dry climate, high up in the mountains. And she, I did not grow up with a garden, uh, not very much, you know, I don't have a lot of background, but she, yeah. they, they grew a lot and she, she finds asparagus. Okay. The wild every ones. year, the wild ones. And she oh. like, she doesn't tell anyone where they are. And she like <laughs> picks them and takes them. Yeah. 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 Well, in the dunes, we have a wild asparagus. Okay. Oh, it's a wild plant. It's, it's usually, grows best on uh, sandy soil okay but rich mm-hmm. in, in nutrients um 
someone told me uh, you should uh, you should try the asparagus peelings. Okay. Uh, because you have you have to peel them. You cannot the white ones. Okay. Because the ones you can eat straight away. Right. Oh, but the white ones have a tough outer. Very tough. You, oh. you, it just doesn't go in. Are they thicker or no? They can come all different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Depends when the farmer takes them out. Okay. So the farmer. So where are you getting yeah. the asparagus? Yeah. 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 From a farmer here, 60 kilometers from here. Uh-huh. Because it was a, a French farmer who gave me the first um, uh, rubbish bag full of peelings. Okay. So I could go on for weeks um, doing my experiments on the paper. And I heard also on the television on a cooking show, asparagus for us also is um, a delicacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the skins, you know, you, you, you cannot give them to the pigs. It's poisonous for the pigs. Uh, okay. Because it's 100% cellulose. Something like that he said. And I said, <laughs> okay, oh. <laughs> I understand. Wow. I didn't think about that. Right. So, but that is really true. Right. It's and just, cell- listeners, just in case you don't know, yeah. cellulose is the main ingredient in paper. So this is like, okay, the pigs can't eat it. This is like the perfect sustainable yes. use yes. for this. Right. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, in in earlier times, you had to peel your own asparagus, uh-huh. so you bought them somewhere. And but then in Germany uh, earlier, but then in the Netherlands also, the farmers with their farming shops, they got this peeling uh, machine, and then they are having all those peelings, right? And they can do nothing with it, right? And it stinks very badly already the second day. Uh huh. So they they have to throw it somewhere. It's just very watery. Uh-huh. Uh, it's only like say 10%, 20% dry stuff. So the cellulose, the rest is water. So they're keeping water everywhere. Mm-hmm. Where, the, where the peelings are. So this idea that you can make something out of this cellulose is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Economically, it's not because it's only three months a year. Right. But Anyway, I, I don't mind that. I am yeah. interested in fibers, uh, but students have, we have had a lot of students going on the whole thing, the whole uh, business case. We, we Maybe sometime something will, will happen. But yeah. uh, I was so interested in this fiber because one of the first papers I made, it was straight away from uh, from the fresh fiber and it was, it was translucent mm. and like half a year later, when it was all dry, it was uh, laying somewhere. I folded it and I, I saw, wow, the folds stay in there. It doesn't go back because a lot of uh, self-made paper, it, it doesn't fold very well. Right. And uh, I thought, wow, this is really, really interesting. So for one of those paper biennales in that time, mm-hmm. a friend of mine, she made a... She made a nice hat. I have I have somewhere the photos from that. And for on the hat, like the fa- the f- the f- uh, what is the name? Feathers, like a feather. Okay. Yeah. I fold the paper like feathers from the asparagus. Mm-hmm. It stayed all the time for mm. half a year. And then I thought, what is this? And so and so I started to to want to make more of this paper. And but the next year 
the paper was different. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I couldn't fold it. It uh-huh. was not translucent. And huh. for many years, it was like that. I made hundreds and thousands of, no, not thousands, but hundreds of <laughs> experiments in different I- times of beating, uh, different way of cooking. Uh, and I you were getting it from the same farmer. Yes. Uh-huh. And then I then maybe after four or five years I found out that in the first year I used all the uh all the peelings fresh. Mm-hmm. In the second year I had already a lot of dry peelings mm-hmm. because that was a better way to keep it because I didn't have time in the summer. Right. To... Right. So all these years I started with the dry peelings. Mm-hmm. So I found out I missed something. Yes. When it's fresh, there's something in that is not there anymore when it's dry. And the dry peelings paper is nice, but that is not what I was looking for. Right. Oh, my gosh. So it really got me. Yeah. So interesting. And what it is, um, people tell me it's like the hemicellulose. Mm-hmm. I have no knowledge. I have no chemical right. knowledge about what a plant is uh, made of. It's hemicellulose. It's cellulose. Right. Right. That's the tree. But what it is, I don't know. <laughs> but there's. So I would love to have someone who really helps me out. But the paper technologists from the paper maker industry, they don't know because they know everything from root wood. They know right. nothing. Right. It's different. Every plant is different. And that makes it so interesting for us to, yeah, never stop because it's always a new, it's always a new present you get with every new plant or every new fiber. Right. So now you're back. You're using it fresh. Again, yes. And already. experimenting and yeah. with it. And so, so, and then it was like baking paper. You have also the brown baking paper. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is a little bit like that because if you fold it. Also, the fold is getting white. Okay. And it's, uh, the fibers are small, but I think I make them small in the, in the Peter Beater. Uh, so it breaks easily. It cracks. It's like, so she's referring to parchment paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Parchment paper? You call it parchment uh-huh. paper? And it's brown. Sometimes it's yeah. white. I guess they bleach it. Yeah, sometimes it, it's yeah. white. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I had to find something that when you fold it, and uh, especially when you fold it back and, and again fold it, it doesn't crack. It right. doesn't. Right. I, I I don't know how, but I found it. Yeah, first I put in flax, the same mm-hmm. color, so that mm-hmm. it, it, it would not be, it would still be translucent. Mm-hmm. And flax, when it's a very uh, long beaten, it's still, it is translucent. Right. But it shouldn't be, it should be have long fibers, so it shouldn't be beaten too long. Well, anyway, but now I do it 100% uh, asparagus. asparagus. And I don't know exactly what is the difference from the first paper, but there is a difference. Okay. And also, uh, I found out only last year by the project that I was in on using the paper with a digital designer. Uh, we found I found out that if you do the wet folding, which you normally do with a little bit thicker paper, mm-hmm. wet folding, uh, it became more strong when wet. Normally, when you wet, uh, right, thin- it can tear easier, but it gets yeah, stronger. Uh, this 
is doing something else. So wet folding is a common origami technique. Yes. So, so that you can make more curves and do really interesting and, and do the thicker cardboard stuff. And thicker, right. And, and, and right. when it's dry, it's very right. strong. And then the curve, it's more curved and less folded. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. So I just did this by accident and I found out that it, it has another function in the asparagus paper. Right. So right. now we have this lamp, asparagus lumen, we call yes. it. Yes, yes. It's our newest project. Well, not ours. It's the, it's the product of the designer. Uh, he's going to sell it. So in September, we are going to make the paper for the production. Fill mm -hmm. into coloring it, but I don't want to color it with synthetic dyes. Uh, but it should stay sometime the color. It's tricky, yes, because it's pigments so will last. Yeah, it's they're going to fade. Right. right. But, you know, then the lamp has life, right? Yes. It's gradually yes. changing. Yeah. But it shouldn't yep. change in one or two weeks. It should, right. like, right. half a year or a year. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If it's not possible, then it stays this little nice golden color. Yeah, and you have images on your website and it, that's beautiful as and well the story of this, uh, yeah the whole story and the reason we met i think you you contacted me is that right i was and in the paper year because i thought now i want to now i want to contact america <laughs> because uh, i want to, i want to uh, learn i want to i need to know i need to contact because i've always been so much alone and i have your books like but making the plants plant paper it's right. all on your books so uh yeah Good. so your year I, I thought i was going to do a lot of things no i'm on, only interested in paper, making paper right. i found <laughs> yeah but um yeah well yeah. and then i heard about your um you did a kickstarter recently yeah so tell to me about documentary. this documentary about the asparagus yeah yes about the asparagus yeah. to, to explain what happened but also to give the recipes and all the experiments i did mm -hmm. also fermentation uh, how to so, so not to dry them so that was oh, my right. that that was my other big problem what not to dry and i have so much <laughs> peelings that are going to stink and I don't want to use my refrigerator and my, even the, the refrigerator. Yeah. yeah. The freezer was taking too much energy. <laughs> uh. So so the fermenting um, came in, uh -huh. which I have to find out. And in the end, it's like the sauerkraut fermenting I use because it's just uh -huh. for keeping it as long as I need it to keep. Uh -huh. One or two years, I can keep it in the, in the buckets. Uh -huh. Until you're ready to make paper. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So fascinating. And I, I love to talk to you for hours and hours, but we let's talk about your recommendations. You mentioned um, the paper mill, the schoolmeister. Yeah, or, that's the mill. Yeah, the schoolmeister. Um, in, is it in the north? Yeah, it's in north of Amsterdam. So if you go to Amsterdam, you always go to those places. And this is the windmill. Uh, driven paper mill yeah. that's been around forever and um i've heard of this zons board i've never been yeah, there yeah yeah and nope. uh no i was in amsterdam i just didn't realize whatever i have to come yeah. back um yeah, and <laughs> yes i had someone come visit me and she brought me a whole 
bunch of samples um, from the yeah. mill. Yeah. 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 That's so we'll one. put a link to that. Yeah. And the other interesting thing about that is that the, um, so the rough draft for the American yes. Declaration of Independence was written supposedly on Dutch paper. That was yeah. yeah, yeah. It was because they had to try to the print the printing process. Yes, and then they did it on parchment in the end. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the rough draft, and yeah. uh, I'll put a link to that too. That's really cool. And then there's a Japanese. Well, he's Dutch, right? But he's in Japan, yes. a paper maker that you yeah. wanted to recommend. Tell yeah. me about him. Yeah, well, here, uh, I only know from him, and I uh, now I know him since the last 10 years, but um, he was, he's also a little bit older than me, but when he, when he was a graphic designer after his study, he went to Japan just to have a look for this, uh -huh. for this paper. So he studied at a few places, and he, and <laughs> it's already like 30, 40 years he's there, 35 right. now, or 40 uh, so he first worked in different places. That's what I read, mm -hmm. uh, website. But then uh, maybe 20 years ago, he found a spot together with a Japanese wife mm. where they were in, in this papermaker village where a papermakery, right. uh, he, could, he could buy it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he had to renovate a lot. Uh, but there he started uh, in that uh, technique there to make his paper so his mm -hmm. name is rogier and rogier dot uh, gp is one of his websites but um he ha also has a uh bnb <laughs> i want to say airbnb oh, but okay. bnb bed and breakfast so, yeah bed and breakfast so you can uh, stay there or, or you can study there and uh, so he 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 has done what i wanted to do Mm -hmm. I wanted myself to go to Japan in the, uh, in the 90s after I left uh, our paper making and I was in Rotterdam. Uh, I thought, ah, with my origami theater, I'm going to earn my money for the airplane and for the hotels and whatever. And then I want to go to one of those villages because in that time it started uh, to, be, to open up for foreigners right. to do this because otherwise... Uh, all recipes would go into the grave with the papermaker if he would die because yeah. there were new Japanese right. paper. Uh, but it didn't work like it that. It didn't work. That's so interesting because I also, I got, I went to Japan in like 1988, was right after college. I was already a little bit interested in paper, but had no idea what I would do. And my parents went and I went with them and I saw all the paper just in the department stores, the little yes. packaging yes. and the shoji screens. And I wanted to go to Japan. I had no idea anyone was making paper anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And I remember one person who had worked in Japan. It was a male, a man making shoji screens. I called him and I asked him and he said, oh, it's going to be really hard for you as a woman and, uh, but I was still looking for ways to go, but then I found a place in New York where I was living and I just, <laughs> I didn't yes. go back for 30 years. I went like two yeah. years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's funny. Okay. So we'll put a link to Rogier's website yeah. and then, um, you mentioned some well, craft films and there's a video that has no sound, no, no talking. Uh, 
no Tofu. talking. It's just sound and beautiful Japanese paper making the whole process. It's yeah. like an hour. Yes. Meditative. Yeah. Yeah. So this Ninka, my uh, second apprentice. Yeah. She, she, she looked at this before our last two days mm -hmm. and she came in and she knew what to do. Mm. She knew the attitude. She knew mm. it's not about talking all the time. Right. It's about focusing. And if you are silent, you can do yeah. it too. She said all the time. And I thought it was so normal, but for her it wasn't. But seeing this film mm. and just her realize, yeah. Yes. And she, she found in herself how to do it. It, right. it made a change. It was so interesting. Wow. So this. This podcast and, and, and what I had to research and think myself, put words on paper, already did so much in my own in my own work. It's so right. interesting. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Uh. It's so important to connect with um, with each other. Yeah. Yeah. To find the words, to find the the ways to talk about it. If you can talk about it, you can talk to other people about it if you can talk about it yeah you don't right <laughs> other people don't know yeah yeah it's so wonderful that you're passing that along is the master is that just the one year or will you continue that it's a one year so uh i will have a look about how to continue right and uh, i will see uh ninka won't because she's going to have her own uh, industry and toilet roll. Right, right. Making. <laughs> but that's wonderful that you get yeah, her launched. Yeah, that's wonderful too. Right, yes. right, right. <laughs> so tell me where uh, listeners can find you online. Yeah, it's mariekedehoop.com. <laughs> so I'm going to spell it just in case somebody wants to write it down. M-A-R-I-E-K-E-D-E-H-O-O-P.com. Yes. And then you're also on Instagram and as Papierlab Rotterdam. Yeah. Papierlab Papier Rotterdam. Yeah. In the Dutch, with the I, papier, not paper. Papier right. Lab. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> well, it was wonderful. I'm so happy to talk with another paper maker. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Hey, paper friends, did you know that I write a weekly blog called The Sunday Paper featuring stories of people doing exciting, innovative, and beautiful things with paper? Sign up at helenhebertstudio.com slash blog. I'm also creating a lot of content over here, and the best way to stay up to date is to join my newsletter list to learn about free tutorials, online classes, workshops, and the annual Redcliffe Paper Retreat, which takes place right here at Helen Hebert Studio. You can find out more at HelenHebertStudio.com. This wraps up our episode, and if you enjoyed the show, I'd appreciate it if you could leave a review over on iTunes. This helps others find out about the podcast. Special thanks to Gary A. Hansen for the sound editing and Peter Thomas for the music. Visit HelenHebertStudio.com and click on Podcast, where you can find out more about these guys, subscribe to this series via iTunes, and listen to other episodes and access all of the archived shows. Talk to you soon. There's a reason, besides the season.